0: The title of the message that I want to preach is called This Thing Called Faith. And it was inspired. Many of you were not here last Sunday, but Brother Luke had a very good message, you missed out. And the uh, one thing that caught my attention was a little phrase called righteousness is not the absence of sin. It is the presence of faith. Did I get that right? I think I did. You know, righteousness is what we're all striving for. You know, we wouldn't be here if we wouldn't have, want to have a right standing with God. That is righteousness. And so due to attain that righteousness is extremely important. And that phrase caught my attention because it is exactly what God has been showing me in the last year or so. One of those things that God is opening my eyes to. I know that to be 100% true. Righteousness is not the absence of sin. It is the presence of faith. Now, maybe you have a little hard time with that. I'll try to explain. Uh, certainly we don't, we don't promote sin. But sin, the absence of sin, does not make us righteous. But the presence of faith does. And we'll try to get to that. A lot of things uh, that enter in there... <clears throat> I think before I go any further, we're gonna do a little survey here. I was gonna say vote. I, I, I'm not gonna call it. We, we've had enough voting for a while. I think I think we're gonna. We are going to grade ourselves. Are we willing to do that? It might get, take us out of our comfort zone a little bit, but that's good. You know, we had a storm go through here a week or so ago, and a bunch of trees went down. You know the, which ones went down? The ones that were in a comfort zone. It was not the ones that had been out of their comfort zone a lot, getting storms. You know, it's the ones that aren't hardened. And I think we need to get out of our comfort zone a little bit. I wonder what your comfort, what your uh, what your thinking is, or how do you look at your faith? So I'm going to ask you this. Well, first I'm going to tell you that Jesus talked about faith a lot. He rebuked his disciples for having what? Oh, ye of little faith. He did it again and again. But then he told a man one time, I think he was maybe in the army, uh, probably not even, he said he called his faith great faith. He said, "I haven't found faith like that in all of Israel, and Israel's where they, it should have been. So, how do you look at faith? We're going to do a survey. One being little faith, and ten being great faith. Where do you put yourself in your faith? I'm going to ask you. Not, I don't want you to be influenced. So I'm going to ask you." To Just close your eyes, would you? Visitors and everybody. This is this is just a good exercise. Now tell me, how many of you would grade yourself a ten? You are of great faith. Lift your hand if you do. Okay. How many of you would grade yourself as a one? A little faith. Oh, you have little faith. Okay. Now how many of you would go... Maybe eight or nine. Raise your hand. Okay. What about uh, two or three? How many? I'm glad for... What can I think of your name? What's your name? Yeah. Yes, you have great faith. Okay. How many of you are in between there? A lot of people. Okay, you can open your eyes. Now let me explain to you something. I think Jesus would tell us here, O oh, ye of little faith. we need." And you would probably say, Lord, increase my faith. We need that. But let me explain. Probably misconception of faith. And I don't blame you. I blame us. I don't think we have been diligent enough in bringing out some of these truths that are so true and yet we miss them so easy. We don't, we don't understand. When I said that, that phrase, righteousness is not the absence of sin, it is the presence of faith. I said, yes, that's exactly what God is showing me. But it's also what I was not taught in all the churches that I was of time. It was always more, uh, the focus was to do better, to try harder, to read the Bible more, to pray more. That would make us more righteous. If, let me tell you this, if righteousness was the absence of sin. We'd have a perfect example in the the two men that went up to the temple to pray. The one gave himself a high grade. He said, Look, I do this, I do that, I do... He, He named all his things that he does. He said, And I'm not like this sinner over here. I'm not like him. So, he felt that he had the absence of sin. The other one, he just had enough faith to reach out and and say, I'm a sinner. I, have mercy on me. That one was the one that had gotten rid of sin in his life. You follow what I'm saying? Now, faith is not... Faith has nothing to do with your or my ability. Faith, we know that that Jesus is our foundation. He can do anything and He can do everything. How do we tap into that? It is our faith. Faith is the lifeline that connects us In our imperfection with Jesus and His perfection. So it has nothing to do with our ability or our inability. It is what we trust in. It is what we believe and what we are assured of. Does that make sense? We... I believe we have many people here that are way higher than what you graded yourself. Way higher. You trust. See, you're, I think you were looking at yourself. and You come up short. Of course you do. But all you have to do is have faith in, trust in, confidence in, another. Faith is not uh, what we can do. It is what we believe that another will do. Does that make sense? I hope so. <clears throat> so, I think if we would try, you would, think, you would grade yourself a lot higher. I have total and full confidence in God. doesn't mean in me. But I believe that he is able to do exceeding and abundantly above all that I can ask or think. That's faith. What do you think Jesus would have given the thief on the cross on that grade? He would have given him a one? No. Jesus would have given him a ten probably. Because that's all it took. He got a passing grade. What about um, some others? Uh, can't think. There's, I know there's more that I would probably um, bring out. <clears throat> you know, it's good, the things that I mentioned, to read the Bible, to try to, to live a good life, those are all good. But does that make us righteous? Righteous. Hebrews 11 tells us, without faith, it is impossible. Let's remember that word. It's impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to uh, please God. I wrote down that faith to many is an add-on to their spiritual life. They have a lot uh, of good things they do. In righteousness, like trying not to sin, which is good, but faith cannot be an add-on. Faith is believers' uh, Christian life. It is the driving forth, the driving force of the believer. It's different from the old. The just shall live by faith. I'm going to read. I think I can see better on here. Uh, Galatians three. I'm going to read. I'm going to read what Paul wrote to the Galatians about faith versus their own effort, which is the law. Is the is the translation that a lot of you use? Is that the ESV? I thought so. I'm reading it. That I have four different here on my phone and. Uh, I'm going to read. It. He says, Oh, foolish Galatians, uh, uh, 3 verse 1, Who has bewitched you? Now, isn't that a, quite a letter to get? If we got a letter from from somebody that we esteem highly, and he'd say, Oh, foolish restorations, who has bewitched We'd set up and take notice. Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by the works of the law or by the hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, Preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with the man of faith. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For he is everyone that does not abide by all the things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. For the righteous... Shall live by faith i 'm going to stop there, but the righteous will live by faith. the law is our effort our we 're not made righteous. it said everyone that that does that is under a curse curse uh, so we can either live by the law and We're going to be graded by how good we do. And did you know if you are trying the people, and that's how I grew up. I was taught, you know, it's our effort. It's our, that's, the better we do, the higher the grade we get, the better our chances are of getting, making it to heaven when we die. So we can do that. And when we when we get graded, if we made one mistake, we missed it. We can either do that <clears throat> or we can live by faith and we will be judged by the righteousness of Jesus. Obviously, that's the better choice. The just will live by faith. Faith in what Jesus did. Not in what... You know, Paul in Philippians, he lists all the reasons that he could have had confidence in the flesh. He said he was zealous touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. It sounds like he had a great future. But if we read that, it will, we get a very, very different story. Paul said, All my righteousness he counts. Has nothing. That he may win Christ. He put his own righteousness. It was like a, a manure pile. He count, that's how he counted it. That he may have the righteousness. <clears throat> it matters not what your accomplishment, what you accomplish in this life, how much or how little. It is never accounted to us for righteousness. Our accomplishments are are not accounted to us for righteousness. Our faith is what makes us righteous. It really is that important. Faith is really we can we cannot afford to get it wrong. You know, I tremble to think of how near I would have went through life not understanding my righteousness is in Christ. I would have, and I know there are people struggling all the time, especially people that I know from my background they wonder, they wonder, did I do enough good that I'm going to be that I'm going to make it when I when I die? You know they don't. I remember, <clears throat> I think I've told some of you when I was in Alaska a couple years ago with my brother-in-law, we met this man called Scotty, and uh, Scotty was an alcoholic, but he was trying trying hard he had a really messed up life and we had the opportunity to share the gospel with him and the last day we were ready to leave Scotty was with my brother-in-law and I and he he said how many sins can a person commit and still make it boy I like that question I said well I can tell you this you've already passed that point But so have I. And I said, so has Manny. We have all passed that point. The good thing is, do you know what a pardon is? And then we explained to him, you know, God's not going to stack up our sins on this pile and then our goodness on this one because it will always be this way. It doesn't work that way. But that was the natural thinking that he had. I think he left with a deeper Appreciation or a deeper or, or a better foundation to build thereon. <clears throat> There's a verse that I often quote out of proverbs: "Trust in the Lord, heart. Right there. right there is a the definition of faith. Right there it is: Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And it goes on and says, lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. You no, know, trust in the Lord is a perfect definition of faith. There's others. Total confidence in. Believing. You know, the, the Bible often talks about believing. God so loved the world that whosoever trusts in, has faith in, believes in you know those are the ones can be it's it's a simple, simple gospel it's not hard, and that's what I like. I like to preach the simplicity of Christ and i it's Paul had told uh, Galatians here also he said, I fear that like as The serpent beguiled Eve with his subtlety that your minds might be removed from the simplicity that is in Christ. And that is what we have, that is what we have to share. Well, I'm not sure. I guess I have basically told you my message. but I'll just go and give you some examples. won't make it real long, I don't think. When I, when I talked about great faith, that was the centurion that came to Jesus. It said he got on his knees and he, he just begged. No, that's, that's the other one. That was a man. That was the centurion came. And told Jesus, my, my, sir, my servant is really sick. Could you heal him? And Jesus said, Sure, I'll come to your house and heal him. He said, No, no, you don't have to come to my house. He said, You are a man of authority, is what basically he was saying. You can, and my servant will be healed. And so Jesus did that. And then he said, In all of Israel, he has not seen such great faith as this man had. That was great faith. The other one, and there was more than once that Jesus rebuked his disciple for having little faith. But the one I'm thinking of, the man came. He got down on his knees in front of Jesus and he said, I have a son. He called him a lunatic. He said he falls into the fire. He falls into the water. And he said, I asked your disciples to heal him, but they couldn't. Could you heal him? And Jesus, you could see he was frustrated. He said, oh, ye of little faith. He just just cast the demon out of, the devil, he calls it, cast the devil out of that young boy. And he was healed. Then the disciples said, why couldn't we do it? He said, it's because of your unbelief. It was because of your unbelief. He said, this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. And you know, Jesus must have been prayed and fasted up because he was ready to get, get rid right away. You know, if you're like me, I don't like to fast. You know, I'm not always fasted up. But, you know, most of us don't. You know, it's, it's, the flesh doesn't like to fast. But if you face something like this, you better be fasted and prayed up and ready. So we get into those situations and, you know, we need need God's power. When we get to the place of utter dependence on God, we will have our faith strengthened. That's a good question. When the disciples told Jesus, strengthen our faith, how do you do that? How do you strengthen your faith? Anyone have an idea? I think somebody said something. I didn't hear it. Joe. Exactly right. That is exactly the right answer. Faith cometh of God. I think that's you could say that. It makes it a little more complicated. But when we read God's Word, when we read God's Word, these truths become very evident to us. The more that God can speak to us through His Word, the stronger our faith can become. You know, um, when I started to read this, when we get to the place of utter dependence on God, we will have our faith strengthened like a branch bearing fruit. You know, I used to work in an orchard over 50 years ago when I was a teenager. And we worked year-round doing things to, uh, for maybe one month of the year That we would get fruit. We had a lot of peaches and apples. We never tried to make fruit. We never tried. I mean, that was completely out of our control. We could not make the... All we could do was make that that the environment was right to bear fruit. We would have to do whatever. We had to keep the tree healthy. We had to do all of that. And... We had to make sure that the branches were stayed attached to the vine. That's what uh, John T is talking about. Jesus said he is the vine and we are the branches is stay firmly attached to the vine and we will bear fruit because that sap, the, the strength, the power, whatever, the the juice comes. Through the vine, into the branches, which is us, and that bears fruit. You know, we will bear fruit. We will have good works if we're attached to the vine by faith. You know, the tree was firmly attached. We are just as firmly attached by faith. That is, the, that is what keeps us connected to the vine. That is what enables the Fruit to appear. Our attachment to the vine. Just a few more examples. Matthew 10, verse 28. There was two blind men that came to Jesus. And they wanted their sight restored. Of course they would. And that's what Jesus asked them. They were following him. And Jesus asked him, "What do you want?" He said, "We'd like to see. We'd like So Jesus asked him a question. Anybody know what he asked those men before he restored their sight? He said, "Do you believe that I can do this?" Now that's their faith. Would you have said, "Yes?" Well, I think we would have Surely we would have said yes. So that's what he takes. That's our faith. Do you believe that I can do this? Jesus didn't say, do you believe that you have earned the right to be healed or any other thing? Just, do you believe that I can do this? That's faith. That's the faith that we need. Uh, Then he said to them, according to your faith, So be it. Do you know what he told? you know what Jesus told the woman who touched the hem of his garment? You know, he was preaching and all at once he just stopped and said, hey, who touched me? And the disciples said, well, you know, the people are pressing around. He said, no, somebody on purpose touched me. He said he could feel that. I think I have this right. I'm just paraphrasing. I think, he said, I felt that Something went out of me. <clears throat> then this woman came. And she said, I have for years had, had this sickness. And I just thought, maybe if I touch your garment, I could be healed. What did he tell you? What did he tell her? Daughter, be of good comfort, I think, or cheer. Be of good. Your faith has made you whole. Again, it's not about what she could do; it's her faith in what Jesus can do. That's the simplicity of what uh, faith is. <clears throat> faith is not believing that nothing bad will ever happen. You know, if we go into uh, if we go into Hebrews eleven, and that's the faith chapter. I should have read that, but. <clears throat> If we go in there, it'll tell us about all these people. And they were justified by faith. Did bad things ever happen to them? <laughs> of course. Some had, some were cut in half and some were tortured and burned and beheaded. But they kept the faith. It didn't matter what man will do to me. I'm going to keep. The faith. <clears throat> so, yes, bad things will happen. We'll go through uh, hard things. You know, I thought of I thought of a lot of things when I, I thought of the three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know, they were in uh, was it Babylon, and King Nebuchadnezzar made this big old golden idol and said that everyone has to bow down to that. Whenever uh, they hear the music, they're going to stop everything and just bow down and worship that thing. And, uh, of course, these three Hebrew children, they didn't. And somebody tattled on them, and they were brought before the king. I think the king wanted to be spare their life, said they're going to be burnt. They knew that whoever does it is going to be burnt. I think he wanted to give him a second chance. And he was, he, and, and he told them, that, you know, the next time this happens, you, you need to do that. And they said, in my words, they said, we're not going to beat around the bush. We want to tell you that we're not going to do that. We're not going to bow down. Our God may deliver us. It doesn't matter. We're not going to bow down to that silly thing that you made. And then he was mad. You know, he, it says his face completely changed. He was wroth. And he said, make that fire hotter than it's ever been before. Seven times hotter than normal. And uh, you know the story. The, you know the men got the strong men from the army to throw them in. And, and they did. And they got burned up. It was so hot that they burned up the men throwing these uh, Hebrew children in. But they weren't even touched. The king looked down and he said, he said, we threw, we threw three boys in there and now there's four walking around. And he said, the one looks like the Son of God. How did he know that? That was my question. How did he, could he tell that one of them looks like the Son of God? It's a little like Paul Slabaugh told me when he almost died of COVID Three times he saw God. And, I mean, he saw Jesus. He saw the Old Testament saints. He had a long story. I listened to him uh, share it at their church. Everything, three times he dreamed it while he was in a coma-like. Anyway, people ask him, how did you know who who those prophets of old were? He said, I just knew. I just knew. He said, I, and he knew it was Jesus. It, it, somebody said, did Jesus look like the pictures we see? He said, I don't even know. He said, he didn't know. He, I, I, he, he can't remember. He just knows they were, um, it was Jesus. He knew that. <clears throat> okay. Fear. I ask you what is the opposite of faith, how many of you would say fear? I do. Now, it's also the opposite of faith is unbelief or lack of trust. But the opposite of faith is fear. Because when you fear, you can't have faith. You can't live in fear. Now, I'm not saying you can't have any, uh, because I think you will get into situations that will be anxiety. I, I have to think of, the, of Jesus and the disciples when they were out on the boat, and the storm came up, and they were fearful. Now, I'd be, tend to be that way, too. I like to be out on the water, but I don't like to be in the water. And I would probably get fearful. In a, when a, I've been in some storms, and I, they're pretty unpleasant if you're out on the water. <clears throat> so there I'd have probably a little, fa- a little faith, not as much as I'd like to. But fear to live in fear, I know people who live in fear. They must not have much faith. That I, have, that I know people who have a great faith and there's really not much that they fear. <clears throat> fear and faith are not compatible. I thought this morning. They're like Republicans and Democrats. They can't work together. In this situation, it's good together. <clears throat> okay. There's really not a good stopping place. There's, I have a lot of things I wrote down. I was going to talk about faith that brings three things. Faith will bring confidence in God. Faith will bring dependence on God. And faith brings obedience to God. That's the outworkings of faith. And so... I got to tell you this story. I got this picture this morning as I was thinking of Abraham. um, He's often called the father of faith. I've often wondered how he took some of the things that God told him. Uh, How would I be? I'm almost 70. Abraham was 75, I believe, when God told him he go out and look up in the sky and look at the stars he said your children children's children's children are going to be more numerous than the stars in the sky and abraham was 75 years old and he had no children he had no children wonder how he reacted to that news then he did 25 more years And nothing happened. Yeah, something happened that shouldn't have. Him and Sarah got their heads together and they decided to help God out. And Abraham Abraham ended up having a son with his servant girl. That's not at all what God had in mind. He had a promise for Abraham. It would have been so much better if Abraham would have just waited. Because those two, when he got a son... Those two started fighting, and they're fighting to this day. If you hear news from the Middle East, it's those two that are always fighting. But anyway, um, after he was 100 years old, I think it was 90, they had a son. And then I always pictured that this son was, you know, maybe Jamin's age, and God told Abraham, "Take him out and sacrifice him." How did G- how did Abraham take those things? Did he just say, "Yes, Lord, I totally trust you"? You know, that would be hard. I don't know how he reacted, but he did. He believed God, and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. I'm going to end with a story that <clears throat> I know. A young man, years ago, young minister. he was asked to come and preach at a big congregation. Some of you would know him. Uh, and you'll probably know when I'm done. Anyway, he went planning to preach to this big, large audience. He said, when I got up there, or before he was ready to preach, he looked at the size of the crowd, and he said, I went back into face down on the floor, and I said, Lord, I can't. I can't. I can't. He just kept saying, I can't. But he said, then I got to the place where I said, I can't. But Lord, you can I can't, but you can. He went out and he preached a message called Salvation Crystal Clear. That became the most requested message that the charity tape ministry ever had. More people want it because it was truly Salvation Crystal Clear. And many people got saved through listening to to that message, the one that he said, I can't until he got to the place where he said, I can't, but you can. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Lord, thank you so much for your word, Lord, that promises us if we have faith like a mustard seed, we can move mountains. We believe those mountains are like the giants. In our life, We have giants. We have mountains. Our faith will move mountains. Thank you for that. Lord, increase our faith. It's not in what we do, what you do. I trust in that. I believe you. And I thank you, Lord. May you bless. May you direct. May you guide. We love you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.